Hey boys, welcome in, welcome back to the Fro Football Pod. I will be your host, Austin. You can catch me on Twitter at Austin underscore PFP. We got some news to hit y'all with. Then some injury reports, some angels in the end zone, and then our money matchups. Y'all boys wanna y'all boys wanna get into it? What's up, that guys? Was... Pretty uh <laughs> Exciting week of football we had this week, huh? No, this week sucked. I know. I'm so glad. So glad that I was in Florida and I didn't get to watch any of this football this week. I still can't wait to talk about it, but I mean, all that I got to do was watch review, and I feel like not having to watch it live was so worth it. Now, there were benefits, obviously. You know, Tom Brady getting to watch his just absolute season go into turmoil. Like, that always just get you going there and it the week honestly the cherry on top for me was watching after all the hype this guy got last season and coming into this year as a top 100 player ranked 85 overall mac jones loses his job on national television in the first quarter it was the fourth drive they had three Bad drives, and that was all it took for Bill to say, nope, Zap's my guy. Zappy hour, baby. Zappy hour. And you know, honestly, I said, yo, if they don't if they don't get three good drives out of Mac and he doesn't put up a single point, they're pulling his ass. Honestly. Just that. I I like the way Zappy plays better. Like, I think he just looks better in the pocket. Like he for a fourth round draft pick, he looks like he has more command of the flawless. The flawless drive he had right after he got put in. Now, they put the, him in. In two minutes, there's 14 points on the, the board. The second half, he did look, you know, he came back down to earth a little bit. Like, they toned down the offense a little bit more. But for whatever reason, it also looked like they had Mac in there. And I don't know if his ankle injury played a part into it. And they figured, you know, maybe he's still not ready to be in there. Let's pull him. And they were just running a very vanilla offense. But once Zappy got in, they immediately opened up that offense. Like, play action pass, 20 yards. Play action pass, 30 yards to Jacoby Myers. Like, it was it was wild to see the difference. And I, I want to know how much Max Ankle played in to Bill pulling him out of that game. I mean, the non-production was a big factor. The the ankle but, didn't look like much if you look no, him at him taking hits on the freaking you know um, the line of scrimmage and shit he was lower, lowering his shoulder and like playing football like he was out there to play football he didn't look like he was scared except for that one uh, the the dick kick uh, as Austin so eloquently puts it whenever he uh, lifted his foot up a little bit on the safety and I think that was the one Juan of his Brisker. last plays yeah yeah and then Brisker came back and intercepted him like three plays later. It was beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, Matt, uh, Mac wasn't the only quarterback that got uh, benched this year uh, or this week. Matt Ryan also got benched for Sam Ellinger. Welcome to Ellinger season. They said that it was for the rest of the year. I think that was a bit of aggressive from Frank <laughs> Reich to be like, yeah, we're just going to put him in for the rest of the year. And it's just like, guys, I, you're still paying Matt, right? That's like, pretty you know disrespectful that. to Matt Ryan. Like, they have had Sam on the roster. This is his third year now. 
and I believe they're with the way their season's going anyways, they know what they have in Nick Foles. He's still on the roster. Is see he really? what you have in And they're not yeah. putting him in? I mean well, see they're with Nick or Sam being so young, they're just seeing what they have in him. Put him in there, give him his shot, like a legit shot. This is your team for the rest of the season. Let's see what we have for you. Because if not, we have to draft a quarterback this year. So that's Straight what up. they're doing. And I honestly believe Jim Ursay had a big say in this because I think also Jim Ursay thinks you start Sam and he struggles and has his struggles or whatever. We're looking for, oh, he might be the guy of the future. We're seeing what we have in him. But actually, hey, look at this top five pick. We get one of these top three quarterbacks in the draft now. You know, that's just yeah, disrespectful. The Colts would never, ever tank for a player, especially a quarterback. I can't believe you'd even put those words in your mouth, Justin. I mean, Andrew Luck would be turning over in his grave right now if he heard about that. They tanked for Andrew Luck. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, Peyton was out with his neck injury, but it's not like they really brought in anybody to be like, hey, let's win some games with you. And, I mean, they were known to have literally thrown five games that year like where they were close games and they just made stupid ass play calls the quarterback they had in there i'd never even heard of before he started for them for the whole season i mean it was it was pretty ridiculous i don't know if this is that i hope that it's let's see what sam ellinger can do i think that for the future of the team if they end up with a 15 top 15 pick they're fucked again and that's what they've been in since they had uh, Philip Rivers come in. They've never been able to be bad enough to get a great p quarterback pick, but then good enough to make the playoffs since and make Andrew a push. Luck. Since Andrew Luck. Yeah, I saw somebody uh, tweet earlier that the Colts are in the J.P. Lossman phase of their franchise right now. It was a Bills fan that tweeted it. Because J.P. Lossman was so far away from them getting Josh Allen, and that's what it just seems like they are. Do y'all know what yeah, kind of quarterback this man Ellinger is? No. He's, no, all, he's, he, he, he's a mobile-type quarterback. He had like 1,900 rushing yards in college. He's a he's thick boy. Thick is boy he big? 6'3", 6'4"? Like no, he's not like tall, but he's just built thick. Six-round pick out of Texas. So it must more, looks more like, like a Tebow body style, like kind of that – Bigger, yeah, not quite Cam Newton because he's not six three, six four, but like, you know, he's running, not just running away from people. Yeah, exactly. Could be a could be the next Josh Allen. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, he's six one, but he's two twenty two. That's a solid boy, right? Like, there. so he's yeah. just built thick. Like, you want your running back to be that size? Uh huh. That's I mean, that is a running back. Like that's Leonard Fournette. Like, so I do think their offense is going to change. And speaking while we're on that subject of offenses changing, you know, if you want to skip ahead about five minutes, because, you know, we're about to get into some Dolphins talk. But the way the Dolphins look with Tua and without Tua, it's literally night and day. Like him back on the field, he, that second half, everybody's talking about the dropped interceptions. Quarterbacks have them every week. I don't understand why all of a sudden that's now under the microscope. I literally think they've ran out of things to hate on Tua for, so that's the last thing they can do. Because the guy, he's a winner. In his last 12 games with Tua, the Dolphins are 10-2. and two. Without Tua, the Dolphins are like 1-9 in their last 10. 
It's absolutely it, insane. They just do not win without him. It's pretty and cool the, knowing he's 4-0 and in the season right now. Exactly. And it's just the way the team looks, for me, the best, and Dan Orlovsky said it on, or uh, yeah, I believe it was Dan Orlovsky or Marcus Spears. It was Marcus Spears. I believe he said the best thing for Tua was for the Dolphins to have to start Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Absolutely. To the see what amount they have of, behind them. Well, the just amount of times I heard. You appreciate what game. you don't have. It, yeah, it was, exactly. It was, it was after the Ravens game. The amount of people that were like, well, look at these receivers. Can't name a quarterback today that wouldn't be able to throw for six touchdowns and 400 yards if they're throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And then you get to see the mistimings and the miscues and not putting it on the outside shoulder by Teddy and Skyler. And Skyler, I would say... I was at least more excited about every time I saw him throw the ball up. I wasn't worried about it. Like I was with Teddy. Teddy has no arm strength. So I, I think that, yeah, that the quarterback clear. situation is huge. The other thing is that Raheem Mostert five point yards a carry average in his career right now. The man looks like if we just give him the ball 20 times a game, we can't lose. It doesn't matter if our offensive line is elite. They're top 15 right now in, run stopping, uh, like, I'm sorry, in pat, uh, run blocking, and they're the worst in the league in pass blocking. And the fact that an offensive line can do both of those things simultaneously is amazing. It was to, like I said, you know, the second half, I think a lot of it, for some reason, the play calling just went away from what they did the first couple drives. Now, the first couple drives in your game, depending on how quick you get through that first drive, are all scripted. Like, you've practiced those plays more than any throughout the week. So you kind of have to gauge the game differently from the second quarter through the fourth. But that second half, I felt like they were just very conservative with the run. I don't know how much the rain played a part in that. But... Like I said, the way the offense just completely looked different, like the way the receivers were able to get the ball put where it needed to be for them, the way the just play action looked, the way Tua's pocket mobility does not get talked about enough. The way he just avoids sacks and takes sacks off the board simply because of how he's able to just sidestep in the pocket, move back up, and then find his window, he's... It's almost an elite trait that he has. That, on the other on the other side of the ball, I mean, Pickett, Pickett's holding it down, like keeping them in that game. It was a close game for sure. Like they didn't, the Dolphins didn't even cover the spread. So it'd be nice if they could do that once in a while. Maybe once this season, that'd be nice. Did I you mean, see I'll that? Did you that see one. that catch by? Did you see that catch in the end zone by Pickens though? It looked like that I same mean, kind of catch he had on the sideline. Where he like were there. dove to the side. I'm asking, asking you, you. Did you see it? If you saw oh, you're asking. I saw it live. I see it. Yeah, of course I say I, I watched the game. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm asking. <laughs> it was a great catch. No, yeah, it was a hell of a catch. Hell of a yeah. catch. And it was on Noah, and that I love that Noah got the pick at the end to seal it. Like yep. what that does for his confidence and everything going forward. Like I really want to see him take that step. Like the next, the, we need him to. I think the keys for the Dolphins to have success from this point forward, the trade deadline is right here. 
Our cornerbacks are looking a little bit hobbled, a little bit injured. We're not really coming in healthy. We haven't had a full healthy set since week one, and now Brandon Jones is on IR. So I think that that is one potential spot. Um, who's the guy, Justin, that's begging to get traded right now that's a man coverage corner? William Jackson the third out of uh, Washington. And the, the Dolphins have been linked to them, to him, and I think – he, you can get him for relatively cheap because his production has been slacking off. Now, like, I don't know how much of that has just been the scheme that he's been in the past couple of years, but for what we need him to do, if, if Byron ever comes back, we can absolutely use him as the, a slot or a fourth corner there, the way they trade out DBs there and try to get on a run. So who, you know who's on a run right now is the Giants. Them boys ain't backing down from nobody. They put my foot in my mouth last week, you know. Yeah, I didn't think they could beat yeah, the Jags, but I'm pretty sure that they've been doing on. that almost every week because I, you yeah, keep and calling point, for them to lose. At this point, I'm saying it now. This podcast will highlight the Giants every week until they lose. Fuck you guys! You have it's to. It's not our Giants. choice. You have what are we to, supposed bro. to do? They are not supposed to win any. They're of these pretenders. Pretenders, <laughs> like. We just I feel like about, this is Groundhog Day, and I'm stuck in a time loop. We just talked about Tua. <laughs> like, Tua and Daniel Jones, both guys came in for this essentially being a make-or-break season for them, and they're both playing phenomenally. Daniel Jones is doing what that offense is asking White Lamar. He's not out the, there being elite necessarily but he is He's doing what Brian like Dable 65 66 percent pass completion on the year that's that's not elite numbers 70 percent is elite he is but that is more than game manager that's a guy that's like doing what it takes at the end of the game he's winning football games that's what's so impressive it's his improvement is probably the most impressive that I've seen and he for me he it's between him and Geno Smith for most improved player this year. I think the conversation happens the same way we were talking about the Colts, where, you know, they're going to play themselves out of a potential spot. Like, at the end of this year, do they have to pay Daniel Jones now? Like, this is it. They didn't yeah, take it. seemed like they were trying to get option. rid of him. Like. They were trying to just like, all right, one more year, and then we just move on, and we get someone else with a brand-new coach, and it's okay. But now, like, do you guys – I mean, do you pay Daniel Jones? Like, is that something that has to happen? I mean, I don't think you would have to pay him to a relatively large contract or a relatively long-spanned contract. Like, I think you could easily be looking at a three, three-year contract with a fourth-year option and roughly right now with the way the market is, maybe about 25 mil a year just because of his age and you know, where he was drafted and he has shown improvement this year. So, I mean, you're still looking at a hundred million over four years for Daniel Jones and how much of that would be guaranteed. I don't know, but I think that's about the range you would be looking at him for. So it's one of those things to where, like you said, if they played themselves out of a high draft pick, it's almost like you kind of have to pay him because there's not going to be anything better on the market. So I, I think that this brings up a really good point. We're going to start on the low end right now. Uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Joe Burrow, uh, Trevor Lawrence, they're probably the lowest paid quarterbacks per year just because none of them have gotten paid yet. 
Uh, Marcus Mariota's. Yeah. Exactly. So Marcus Mariota's above them, and then it gets into Jameis, Baker, Tom Brady. So Jameis is fourteen million a year on average. Baker is fifteen and a half mil a year on average. Tom Brady's twenty five. So you think that Tom Brady money, like that's what Daniel Jones is gonna call for the next three years? I think a three year would be smart with a fourth year team option because twenty five for three years. If he keeps developing. You've got to That's start. what I was going to say. It's hard to say right now what his market would be because if he continues on this rise this season, he'll, he could negotiate a solid contract just because of the improvement shown. And to me, he would be the best free agent quarterback on the market if he was to be let go. I think that if he calls up and makes $40 million, if he starts making Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott money, that's whenever the Giants just fucked up hard. Oh, the, like, there, yeah, there's no way he should be making that kind of money. I mean, if they go and they only lose four or five games this year, make the playoffs, still, win a playoff game. Still, I mean, you still For that kind of money, you have to have a large sample size of multiple Pro Bowls. I agree. I agree. Like I think that that's... five, top ten in the league in certain categories. Like, you just have to have that in order to be able to negotiate those kind of contracts. How much money did you say Jameis is getting paid? $14 million a year on average. And yet Dennis Allen doesn't even know if he's going to be the starter yet? Andy Dalton's been playing solid, bro. Well, I it's mean, not even exactly, just that. But like, if they're is paying him that hurt, much money? I, I don't put Jameis in if he's hurt. I put him in if he's 80% or better. Not like even he, that, but... It looks like he's good, 80% because he's dressed. They made dressed, a good point of talking so. about it on Thursday night, though. Like, Jameis takes shots that will lose you the game. Whereas Andy Dalton, yes, he's not going to take those shots necessarily that help put put you up, but he's not necessarily going to do anything to lose that game for. Yes. He threw three picks, but one, two of them were off the hands of the receiver. And one of them went right through the hands of the receiver. And that was one of the pick, the first pick six he threw went right through the hands of the receiver on a 15 yard play. Like you can't fault him for that. I'm yeah, not excited at all about a game manager. Like, no game manager excites me. Um, the Falcons are another team. They got the game manager. You guys probably thought we weren't going to talk about it, uh, but we will because that's who we are. The Falcons did not cover the spread, and we all told you that they were going to because they keep doing it. And next week, 80% of people are going to think that, well, the Falcons didn't cover the spread, so they're not going to do it. And I better not bet on them, and that's where you're wrong. It's the law of averages. They can't cover it every week, but this is the week. Carolina. They'll cover it again. Yep. Oh, they're covering again. This is an easy one. So we're going to go ahead and hammer them Falcons again, even though they got the game manager with the multi-running back team with the good defense. I don't know why they're so good. I guess it's just the coaching. Uh, That's what we're hoping for. They didn't have no defense last week, though. That shit shit don't show up. Joe Burrow is just on a some kind of other level here the last couple of weeks. He's hitting his stride like he did at the end of last year. The the amount I saw a stat earlier, Joe Burrow since the beginning of last year has thrown 31 touchdowns that went for 30 yards or more. The next closest was Pat Mahomes at with like 18. Like that difference and just how many deep shots they take 
is absolutely insane. Like if you have the receivers, they do. I would do it too. I believe I'm praying that, you know, as the fan in me too, his stats will start to climb up there with the guys he has now. But the big, the Bengals allow him to do it, that he has free reign to unleash a 60 yard pass. I love watching it, but yeah, the Falcons, their defense was just not ready for it. They don't have the manpower to keep up with those receivers out there. Yeah, or, that's really what it was, the manpower. And they're another team Jamar that Chase's wasn't able to capitalize on, you know, that Bengals offensive line. Like, the Joe Burrow had all the time in the pocket to stand back there and just do what he wanted to. Yeah, that's insane. He gets sacked a lot, too. So, they definitely weren't eating on him. Their offensive, their, their O-line has been approving the last couple of weeks. Like, I will give that to him. Burrow has been kept more relatively clean than he was the first three or four weeks of the season. But you it's think just... It's the, you think it's the age factor why he's doing so well? Because he's so young? Because we got I don't these think two that's old totally farts it. in the league. Number, he's number not 12s. that young, though. He's like 24, 25. He came in the league as an older rookie. Because he was a senior. Yeah, but these two old farts we got, number 12s, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, can't seem to fucking... Get shit done. I ain't putting money on them no more. See, I Be- don't know. Before before we do that, before we jump into that, I want to talk about Joe Burrow. I want to say one last thing. I was just now looking at the Dallas Cowboys game uh, compared to the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that the biggest issue with their team and what they were doing in the beginning and like what they're doing now, they weren't trying to throw the ball. They were just trying to run the ball well against teams because they've got this new and improved offensive line. And it wasn't enough. The amount of attempts that he's making per game now, he only put up 30 attempts that game against uh, Dallas. And that was against Dallas. They lost 17 to 20. Like, if they would have just put the ball in his hands more, I think that's exactly what they're doing. And I, to Austin's point on moving into Tom and Aaron, I think that that's part of the issue over there as well. That they're trying to run the ball with these great offensive line and great running back tandems that we have and they're not instead using the quarterback talent with the wide receivers that they have and working good offenses well it's not even that either it's just the lack of receivers that aaron Rodgers has and brady's receivers just haven't been stepping up the I, that panthers game from what i saw of it most of that was just via red zone shout out scott hansen there's so many passes just hit him in the hands and just drop Mike Evans. It went viral on Twitter for the first half of the day, 60 yard bomb at the beginning of the game and just boop right through his hands. And I mean, I don't want to say, Nope, don't, don't no, because we're not it's not worth this. it. He, I but yeah, I don't want to have my only it. point is that like, whenever that type of stuff happens, like from that type of a player, like he, it cannot happen ever. You're held to the highest possible standard. Once it happens once, then you're you're Marquez Valdez Scantling. You know you're you just that signing, guy. He's talking about signing autographs for the refs. No, no. Oh, oh. oh it came bad. out that he wasn't. Yeah, signing yeah. Autographs. It was for golf. It was for golf lessons. No, my whole thing is is like, what was he signing? If it, it was his phone number, for for what? He was writing down his phone number because he wanted golf lessons. From oh, the ref okay. oh, or okay. someone the ref knew or something. Yeah, so that way he can see him at the country club and then get his autograph there. I, exactly. Hey, I like your style. Way to spin that. Way to spin that. That's good. Right? 
Wait, is that true? Is that actually true? Yeah, that's true. He, oh, okay. He's wanting golf lessons, but you know, he'd okay. think his mind would be on other things when he's trying to win a football game. That's why he couldn't catch the ball. He's he was asking the golf. them for golf lessons. No, they were asking him because I guess he knew somebody for golf lessons. So they were getting, am I correct, Austin? They were getting his information. I actually said it the other way. That's how I heard it when I heard the information. Okay, so we don't so I'm know just at all. Stick with that. Okay, yeah, so, so I, I have no clue. I heard so get the your news from a reliable source. Good job, guys. All right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got my news from the Pat McAfee show, so. Don't so, no, 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 I'm saying got it. not, not, no, they need to get their information from a reliable source. It's obviously not us. We're not sure yet. Uh, we'll get there, though. Now, I did I say did this. I did say it. Y'all just <laughs> twisted words up. Maybe uh, Mike Evans is just looking to move on into the next form of his career. You know, pro golf's pretty easy. Even athletes that aren't that athletic can do that, you know, for until they're like 50. Hey, you got them long arms, bro. He would have a nice swing. There I gotta look for my opportunities again. when I can. He looks for the drink, goes for the drink again. I love how you do it slow. Gotta stay enough hydrated, so we can baby. Hear the ice gotta stay hydrated, just ever so slightly. So steering back to the news for the week, there. Obviously, you know he's already played a game, but before you know, after our last episode dropped, Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers in a blockbuster deal. Not necessarily how much was given up for him, but just the fact that a guy of his quality was traded away from the Panthers. They're obviously just having a fire sale on their offense at this point. Free DJ Moore, get him out of there. But Christian, he looked good in his first game with the 49ers there. Like I their blocking scheme for him, the way they're going to be able to use him as a chess piece in that offense. If I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner in fantasy, I'm loving my life here. What che- what chess piece does he look like he is? I you I know? don't know. In that offense, what what would you say? Is he a rook? Is he a bishop? More of a knight? I think. You know, you I know, don't play I think chess. Kind of Ooh, I think he so could be if, a knight. You know, more of that gadget piece. I'm, you know, I'm he, more, he oh, gets in where he needs to be. Guy. I'm more of a checkers guy. So if anything, hey, the 49ers. Me, yeah, the 49ers getting Christian is more of a king me move. Okay. 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 Or like a I double. Respect. You can still do, maybe, you can still maybe, do that in chess. Maybe not a king me, just because of how much you value running backs. But we'll call him a double skip. You know, you got a nice little double jump. You oh, know, you collected you two, and you're We're hopscotching, on. baby. Let's go, hey, hopscotch. Collect two hundred dollars <laughs> and go past go. You know what I'm saying? Hell but, yeah. I mean, it obviously it blew up Twitter whenever he got traded, and like I said, I I think he played well in his first game with limited touches. Jeff Wilson owners in fantasy, obviously, you got to be a little sketched out because at some point, Christian's going to end up getting more of those touches. Because so he I, has think, to. I think I think that a hundred a hundred thousand people over the weekend all forgot that Christian McCaffrey's gotten hurt the last two seasons and hasn't played healthy, and they all dropped Jeff Wilson. Like this guy's not a fragile first you round running back Jeff that's gonna Wilson get over still. you have to. Got Eli to. Mitchell, throw him off Especially. your IR. He's useless now. But Christian and Jeff, Whoa. you gotta hold on to. Oh. That's a good point though. I haven't thought about that yet. Eli is kind of yeah, if you've got done him and your gone IR to the spot, side, get rid of that because you're just wasting yeah. a spot at this point. Get Pim exactly. Patrick, get something better. Well, we say that, but then Christian goes down. Eli just happens to be coming back that week, and they use no, Eli Eli's over out Jeff for the Wilson. Year, yeah, he's Are out you for sure the season. About that? IR. Yep, yep. Full season IR. Oh, well, then who else yep. is on uh, IR for the rest of the season? So yeah, we got uh, a player t- coming off of uh, 
Long-term IR as well this week. Brees Hall, ACL tear. Big news happening. All kinds of things being moved around. James Robinson gets traded to the Jets right after Brees Hall tears his ACL. Travis Etienne now looks like an absolute stud of a starter if you have him. Good looks, Justin, on trading for that earlier in the year. Oh, Cam Akers. I mean, finally paying I don't know if anybody was more excited than I was whenever James Robinson got traded. Because Etienne's been getting the touches here lately. And it's just been looking more and more like his show. I don't think James Robinson touched the ball. He didn't. And then they traded him afterwards. So it makes me wonder what happened. Yeah, he was on the trade block. That's that's the only explanation. He was on the trade block. But also with Brees Hall uh, going on the IR, you said coming off the IR, but going on the IR, you're good. I got you, buddy. Mistakes are good. Hey, it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Going on. On the IR also for the Jets is shout out to Elijah Vera Tucker. Having he's having to have surgery on I believe his pectoral muscle. And that is a big hit to their offensive line, who they've already lost about four offensive tackles to this point. And he was looking like he was set for a Pro Bowl season. Played three different positions on the O-line this year and was elite at all of them. And that is a huge loss for him and Brees Hall to go out with the way they've been leaning on their running game. As a Jets fan, I mean, yes, James Robinson does give you a little bit of a boost there because he does have some skill. But you have man, to be afraid it, of the Achilles, though. Like, he's still coming back from an injury. He still looked good the first couple of weeks, but then has gotten less and less usage for a reason. Michael so, Carter's value goes up. You, you he, hope, I mean... Hopefully he gets back to what he was doing, but that run game blocking is going to suffer with Elijah Vera Tucker out. Yep. And, and just in general, I mean, this week, taking the Jets versus the Pats, even with that horrible uh, loss this past week versus the Bears, I still think that you have to take the Pats in that one. And then they're going to get to the Bills after that. The Jets have a bit of a rough stretch. I think um, it depends on who they put at quarterback. If they put Mac Jones out there, I would take the Jets. But if they're playing Zap, I'll be scared. I don't think Agreed. it's going to matter. Ramondre Stevenson is going to destroy, uh, I think, against that team. They're just like, what he did last week is going to have to pick up. It. We always think but see, we destroy. Th- everyone thought him and Damian Harris were going to have a day versus the Bears, and they struggled. Now, granted, game script took them away from running the ball as much. Either way, they still weren't as productive as you know they were expected to be. Who would you rather have? Jacobs or Hunt? Jacobs. He's younger. If you're going off the last four weeks, give me Jacobs. Uh, now, Hunt yeah. can probably put up those Hunt's stats if you give one. him the feature role. Yeah. But, I, yeah, give me Jacobs with the way he's been playing. Now, I don't know if the Raiders would necessarily get rid of him, and I don't know if it would be a smart move on their part, especially with the way they've just not been using any backups and that he's just been their workhorse. So I don't know how much weight that rumor has to it, but again, the trade deadline coming up. These got he's another guy on the last year of his contract. These are typically the guys that get moved. Also, keep an eye out for the Dolphins with Mike Jaziki. Yes, he's on the franchise tag, but again, that's one last year on the contract. He could be a guy, and he's another one that's rumored to be on the trade block. I think the the Raiders would be willing to get rid of him if they knew that they had someone behind him. That was solid, but we haven't seen anybody that's been solid so far that came out of there. I think that Josh McDaniels still thinks that he's going to be able to do the Patriot way with his running backs, 
and that he's only relying on Josh Jacobs now. Because and sell, sell him while you can kind of he deal. He has to, and he can sell raise up his value and yep. then sell him high. Yeah, smart I think thing it's to silly. do, honestly. I mean, you're going to have to pay him. It wouldn't him be that guy, silly, though. He's like, been they were solid already for looking to get rid of him before the year. Exactly. But he's been solid for three or four seasons, and he's a starting running back that's definitely top ten in, in like talent. It, it just seems dumb to let that type of player go whenever you have him right now. And I get that you have for him so, during his rookie deal. You could get another still. For someone that's owned him for like three or four years now in Dynasty, how is he an injury-prone player, Justin? The last couple years he had a few, but it was more along the lines of I just feel like he wasn't as productive as he was his rookie season. He was, you know, he had been averaging about 2.4, 2.8 yards of carry, which just isn't cutting it as a feature back in the NFL. And but now it's I mean, a whole new offensive scheme going on. So like, well, that and I think it is more along the lines of they're leaning on him more, whereas before he was used for the run but more as the run to set up the play action. Whereas yeah, now exactly. they use the threat of play action to set up the run for him. And I think with Devonte Adams, it keeps those DBs back on their heels a little more. If Josh Jacobs gets through that first line, he's good to go. Like you, you're looking at a six to seven yard carry every time for him. And he's and getting top- 22 to 24 carries a game on top of three to four receptions. And if if he eats in a game, then all of a sudden the middle of the field just opened up for Foster Moreau, Darren Waller, for uh, Hunter Renfro, for Devontae Adams. Like those guys can eat in the middle whenever all the linebackers have to take a step forward every play. So it's it's huge for an offense. I think that they're silly to trade him again because they have a solid team that could make a playoff push. They need they've lost some games they shouldn't have lost. We can all agree on that. I don't think you blow it up yet and trade one of your best players. If they don't trade him, how do you see his value moving forward? As a think, fantasy, like, would you would you try to trade for him in fantasy, or I'm would you try afraid. to sell high on him? If I'm I had of... him, I would try to sell him high. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Just like Josh the problem Daniels. is though, if you try to get him because of the way he's been playing and putting up 30 fantasy points in PPR a week, the last few weeks, you're going to, you have to buy high for him. So that's just a matter of now for me, I'm just a guy about sample sizes. Like, yeah, he's done it the last few weeks. Unfortunately, trade deadlines and fantasy are coming up in the next few weeks. So you're hoping if you are looking to trade him, then you're hoping that this continues. So you can sell him high. If you're looking to get him, then you're hoping that, you know, he starts to slack off a little bit so the value goes down. But uh, I think that's a good spot right there. We're going to be back in about 30 seconds. Hit you guys with this quick little ad break. Listen to the sound of my sultry little voice. More like a poultry kind of voice. Welcome back to the Pro Football Pod. So some of our longtime listeners may remember... uh, little bit of a disagreement that we had on the podcast during the pre-draft process. And the disagreement was about tight ends, whether or not taking the tier one, tier two guys in the first three to seven rounds is worth it, or if it's better to stream your tight end, take someone a little bit later that's a little bit riskier. Now, at the time, we may have said things like Cole Komet. 
And obviously not every tight end has aged well at this point, but we're just going to go through a little bit of a ranking to see what they were ranked at pre-season and then what they're ranked right now. So we're going to just do the top 10. So top 10 preseason ranking was Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Does anybody disagree with that? No. That was pretty much the consensus. Yeah. Top three. One, two, you can three. get one of these three and the first three or four rounds. That's the deal. You, you can even say Waller with four, you know. Okay. And then Kittle now, five. Kittle was there at four and Waller at five on this list I'm looking at for fantasy pros. Um, right. Afterwards, we've got Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox. That's the tier two. And then finally, to roll out tier three, we've got Zach Ertz, followed up by Cole Komet and Pat Firemuth for 11 and 12. So right right away, if we look at our top 10, there's some guys that just aren't showing up at all. And I wanted to ask you about this, Austin, because I hadn't looked into it yet. Is Dalton Schultz healthy? Has he played? He's he's just coming back. So he's been injured. That last game he played in versus the Lions, I believe, was his first game back or his second game. I, I want to say his first game back. And there was a couple plays where he came up limping a little bit. And it looked like, you know, he was trying to fight through it. And I believe he did finish the game. But I, five for five for 49 yards. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't. It's just so he's only really me. played one or two games. He hasn't yeah, even had a good I, I think size. another week. He, he just another came back. week of rest. Detroit. He'll be solid. Okay. So Darren Waller and Dalton Schultz both kind of get exempt from this list because both of them are dealing with injuries. Darren Waller's has been a little bit more of like, uh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And then all of a sudden he's well, just fucking hurt. You, I mean, he wasn't getting that much work at the beginning of the season, honestly. He did look solid, actually, before um, he got he got a little banged up and then he started to look bad. But whenever um, the couple weeks that... Devontae Adams wasn't killing it, that he only got four or five points. Darren Waller was putting up 10, 15, you know, 18 for me. So he's he's there as far as, like, when he was fully healthy. But, again, still not really doing it. So five and six on this list are already off. Now, go into the actual rankings. Number one and two is exactly what you would expect. They're the two best tight ends in the league. They're two of the best pass catchers in the league. But it's more than that. They get fed. Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews get targets. That's where they live. At 60 targets so far this season. They're the number one receiver on their team. Literally. So they're, the they're going to be number wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be bad to get both of them on one team and just throw them in your flex? Hey, yeah, that would be awesome if you could somehow have both of them. I mean, realistically, you <laughs> and could. And taking you it away from another team. Back-to-back rounds. Exactly. Two and three. All right, so who's running behind them and finishing out the top five on that? So we got Taysom Hill, Zach Ertz, TJ Hawkinson. Now, Zach Ertz was the number 10 pick, and that's kind of what my point is, is that guys like that... Now, we knew Zach Ertz was going to do really good until week six. We knew he was going to get a lot of work before DeAndre Hopkins gets back, and then after DeAndre Hopkins gets back and they've got all these receivers, then he might get less work. He got lucky that right whenever DeAndre comes back, Hollywood's out at the same time. Taysom Hill and TJ Hawkinson, I wonder how much of them being rated so high at this point fantasy-wise is because of their explosion one week. Where TJ had about 
Okay, because TJ had about 39 points one week, and I remember Taysom had about three touchdowns or so and put up about 30 to 40 points one week. So let's say that for a tight end in a half-point PPR league, because that's the scoring format that I'm looking at right here, that they need to put up at least eight points for them to be fantasy relevant. Like for that week, if they could put up at least eight as a tight end, then you're relevant. So week one, Taysom Hill put up 14.8. Week four, he put it up eight. Week five, he put up 34.08. And then week seven, he put up nine. So he's had four weeks of being a fantasy-relevant tight end. He's just very boomer bust. He put up zero against um, Carolina, uh, at Carolina. I don't know if he didn't play in that game, uh, but it was a 14-22 to loss. So he didn't touch the ball. He didn't do anything. And then against uh, Tampa Bay, he also didn't do very well. And against uh, Cincinnati, he didn't do very well. But the rest of the time, fantasy relevant. So, okay. So, like I said, kind of relevant there. I'll Mm -hmm. give you that. But with Taysom and Hawkinson, who rounds out the top 10 there just to kind of give us more of a sample? So, David Njoku, who's now out for the next two to four weeks, which if if you've been paying attention this year, you expected David Njoku to be high on this list. No one has expected much of him because of his past couple seasons. But yes, exactly. And on top of that, I mean, he's just shown up in all their games. Gerald Everett's another one. You didn't expect much from him, but he's been crushing it. Chargers have been feeding him. They love him there with all the injuries and Austin Eckler uh, struggling the first couple weeks. He's obviously been eating Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, and Hayden Hurst. Goddard. So Goddard's the one to me that I feel like ranking wise, without any outliers or anything, should be top three to five. Mm-hmm. He's to me, it's his consistency. He's just been a consistent, reliable tar- and. It's still it's kind of shocking to me how consistent he is for you each week because of them having AJ Brown and Devontae Smith out there. But he's still good for four to five receptions for 50 to 60 yards for you each week. And if you're getting that out of your tight end and in a PPR league, you're looking at nine to 12 points each. I'll sign up for that every day. Exactly. Exactly. I think that. Dallas Goddard is the epitome of what we should look for every year for our tight end position. He was the number seven tight end off the board. You could have gotten him in round 12 or 13, and you wouldn't have been giving up a ton of value to get him. He, You got lucky, because Dalton Schultz was one pick before him, and honestly, they're identical in my eye, but Dalton Schultz has been dealing with injuries, and Dallas Goddard hasn't, and is on an undefeated football team. Dallas Goddard... I wanted Dallas Goddard over Mike Jazicki coming out of the draft that year. I so Jazicki was my number two. Like I liked Jazicki a lot, but the Goddard, the way his game is translated to the NFL for me, was more on lines with like what his projection was versus what Jazicki. Now Jazicki, this offense this year, it's just not to his strength. He has been showing out the last couple games a little more as far as being a consistent target. But I do have to say, and I'm just going to take the bullet on this one, the tight ends this year have been struggling to where, like we said, but, you know, if you didn't get one of those top two to four tight ends. Honestly, just the top two. Because Kittle, Pitts, Waller, Schultz, everyone's fallen off. The ones that are killing it are people you didn't expect. The smartest thing... Of a first round or early second round pick is what I'm yeah. meaning. 
to yeah. where the other, you know, three and four, like Goddard and Hawkinson and uh, not necessarily Fryermuth. Kyle Pitts was going to go high just because of his athleticism anyways. And what he did last year, didn't he have a thousand yards as yeah, a tight yeah. end? One I touchdown. Mean, like, yeah. And that's why he has so little value in reality. Yeah. And he's not getting enough targets. The big issue is the Falcons didn't throw the ball enough last week and they haven't been doing it lately with Cordell going down. Like they're just running it between these two young running backs and three of them, honestly, but. Algiers been playing solid. I, I will say Algier, the way he's been doing, he's been playing solid. You know, he might be worthy of our angels of the end zone type of uh, label this week, but not quite. We've got some different guys for you. We're going into the angels of the end zone. We make our own sounds over here. We don't have a sound. All right. So starting off my, uh, let's see who we got, who we got to go for Colby. Who you got for your angel this week? So do you guys know how many running backs had three touchdowns this week? Four. Yeah, there was just just the one, Josh one. Jacobs. We talked about him a little bit earlier, maybe getting traded off of his team, which again, fucking crazy. But yeah, three touchdowns, 143 yards on 20 attempts, four targets for three receptions and 12 yards. Stud. 35 points in a half PPR league. The guy did it for us. He did it for his team. He did it for his city. I think that that's the epitome of what an angel in the end zone is. He oh, made it there. Really. Exactly. Well, yeah, also I think... with just the way he's been, like we said, the way he's played the last few weeks, like he's got to get the label at this point because he's just been carrying that offense, which is an offense with Devontae Adams. He's on a Saquon level of like just production. Yep. And that's scary to talk about from, you know, a running back that's about to leave his football team. So that's neither here nor there. Now, my angel, not necessarily somebody who's been playing the last few weeks and balling out or anything like that, but just simply with what I saw him do this last Sunday against Tom Brady, PJ Walker's getting mine for this week because, I mean, he didn't do anything necessarily wow you off the stat sheet. But he kept his team in the game. He did not give the game up. Yes, they leaned on that running game a lot towards the end. But I had to to him because you essentially outplayed Tom Brady. And you were able to come off that field with the victory there. Like, I just... And the Panthers play well with P.J. Walker. Like, even when he got his spot starts last year, they... They play well with him. And for me, I think you should just let PJ play the rest of the season. You're basically tanking the year anyways. Just let him work and let the guy. The man played in the XFL a couple years ago. Shout out to also Taylor Heineke because he beat Aaron He beat Aaron Rodgers. Both of these guys played in the XFL a few years ago and beat NFL legends this last week. So hat tip to Taylor Heineke, but the label's going to PJ Walker this week. My angel in the end zone is going to have to be Kenneth motherfucking Walker. Walker, Texas motherfucking Ranger. Kenneth Walker. I, I heard Austin they call him. Austin turned I, into uh, Michael Clark Duncan from the Green Mile right there for a second. Kenneth <laughs> Walker. I'm tired, boss. I heard uh, on Sunday they were calling him Kenneth Runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys didn't have to laugh. I, that was I, cheap. No, I like no, that. that was actually. Bro, funny. I'm a I'm a dad. I love I love dad jokes. 
I was like, where'd you hear that from? <laughs> that was good. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, so he had 23 attempts with 168 yards. That's a shit ton with two tutties. He now, had a nice little say, day. He did and, have like a 60-yard run, but regardless, he's been balling but the last couple it's, weeks. It's not just how many runs he's getting. It's the way he runs. Man runs like a fucking bull. Barreling through attempts. people. 23 attempts man was running back three on the week like he didn't get a single target so like that's this is what he did in college though but so he's just a little bit scary that he doesn't catch the ball but 23 i mean 23 carries it's fine he can catch the ball i mean that he isn't that that's the only thing yeah with the way with the way their offense looks right now it looks it reminds me a lot of rookie year Russell Wilson. Lean on the running game, play solid defense, make no mistakes from your quarterback. And Geno Smith is getting we've you know, we've get shouted out Geno a few times. He just keeps deserving it. The man's playing awesome. They just shit on the Chargers this week, didn't they? But Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, the way that team's been playing, and if you keep leaning on Kenneth Walker in Dynasty, if you have Kenneth Walker, you're loving your life. Because you have a future running back that you can keep on your team for however long your league goes. Now, speaking of running backs, like we said, we talked about Brees Hall going out. We talked about Elijah Vera Tucker. So some injuries there. We've got a decent list of injuries here. So what do you got for us this week, Colby? We're going to try to speed through these real quick. Uh, There's definitely some information we want to cover. All those Seahawks fans that have been just loving the fact that they took all these guys super late in fantasy and they're just still crushing it. Uh, DK's knee injury is short term. That's all we know for now, Uh, that there's no break or tear and that he should be okay. But he's definitely going to be out for at least a week or two. Mike Williams has got a high ankle sprain on the same team. Uh, JC Jackson, their cornerback, is going to be out for the season. Palmer, uh, Josh Palmer and um, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, thank you, are both going to be coming back, though, after the bye. So they're coming on bye this week. And then after that, um, we're going to be seeing those guys back. So it should help out with Austin Eckler. Keep on crushing it. Debo hamstring uh, is going to be day to day. Jameis has still not been named the starter for week eight. So we need to monitor that and see what's going on there. Uh, It might be Andy. It might be that Jameis is hurt. We're really not sure. No news has come out on it as of now. Van Jefferson is coming back from a knee injury, so that's good for the Rams. Still with the Rams, right? Knee surgery. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. that's actually huge for them. Uh, Allen Robinson won't be the only other person there besides Cooper Cup. And uh, that dude that looks just like him, Schronick, number 18. Skronik. David and Skronik. David Njoku has got a high ankle sprain, two to four weeks. We mentioned it earlier. Guy's been fucking killing it. It sucks that he's going to be missing this time. Whenever he does come back, it'll be right around the same time that Deshaun's coming back. We'll see how their season's going and whether or not they even start Deshaun at that point. That's something we can start talking about in the next couple weeks. Tannehill uh, may play next week uh, with his foot injury. He did come back into the game, but he was also seen leaving the stadium in a boot. So not good news. Uh, guy's tough. He normally plays through this shit. I would rather see Malik uh, to see what the Titans have in their future because Tannehill is a known entity. What he has is what he has, and that's it. I forgot about Malik, bro. We haven't seen him in a while. Seriously, that we got him, him out for like one half, right? Was that it? Yeah, I've like week one. 
I've kept them yep. stashed on my dynasty roster all year. Waiting yeah, for you this got them too. <laughs> now we were talking about uh, Danny Dimes and how much he's been killing it. Offensive tackle for the New York Giants, Evan Neal, uh, has an MCL injury. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for. What the deal is? It sucks. He's a first round first, pick for them. Yeah, and he's been killing it. Like he's been absolutely on fire. Part of the team that their team's part of the reason that their team's been doing so well. And finally, all that Aaron Rodgers needed was another wide receiver to get hurt. Alan Lazard has a shoulder injury. We don't know exactly what that means. Uh, We'll know more by Thursday or Friday on how he practices this week on whether or not he'll be starting in week eight. All right. Hey, hey, way to get through that, Colby. Everybody. Attaboy. Attaboy. Clap it up. Now, before we get into Austin's picks of the week here that he's got listed, we're just going to preview that Thursday night game we got coming up real quick. You've got the Tampa or uh, the Baltimore Ravens going into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. Baltimore right now on the spread is minus 1.5, so they're favored on the road. I truly don't know how, I guess, because of what, the way the Bucks played versus the Panthers last week. And the Ravens are coming off a win. But just to give you some metrics here real quick, you've got the Ravens are the 10th ranked offense where the Bucks are the 7th. Now, this is the kicker for me. The Bucks have the 16th ranked defense, whereas the Ravens have the 29th. And I'm sorry, I, overall, so the Bucks we are should seven, finally, the Ravens are 10th. We should finally see I'm Tom sorry. be able to do something. The Ravens have the 22nd ranked offense, and the Bucks have the 4th. I understand this is a Thursday night game, but it is a Thursday night game at home. If this isn't a quick get-right game before the long bye for you, before the 10 days off, I don't know what else Tom Brady's going to need this year because that defense of the Ravens can absolutely be passed on. The way they've been breaking down in the last few minutes of these games here lately I expect Brady and company to come out and absolutely eat. And if they don't, there's for sure an issue going on with that offense. So I think that people a couple of years ago, they kept saying like, what was it? Was it Brady or was it Belichick or like, was it both of them? But I think that everyone forgot. It's Giselle. It's obviously Giselle. I mean, as soon as that man didn't have the best pussy on the world, he just cannot win a football game. He was winning Super Bowls before Giselle. I'm just saying that was the that was Belichick, obviously. But now that he lost both Belichick and Giselle, this man, you know, he just he can't get it done anymore. So maybe he should just retire and stop ruining my life. I don't know. It's up to him. Obviously, you know, I don't make these decisions for these guys. Now, going into this game, just some injuries to monitor here uh, as far as your props and fantasy questions are concerned. Uh, Mark Andrews is listed as questionable with a leg injury. Same with Ronnie Stanley, their offensive tackle. Gus Edwards is listed as questionable with his leg, but I think he's going to keep that tag for a couple weeks just coming off of his injury. The way he played last week, I think they actually lean on him more here. Um, Calais Campbell, also questionable. Um, injuries listed as other. My guess is vet rest. So nothing major there. He's, you know, let the guy rest. He's been in the league forever. The Bucks, um, Antoine Winfield Jr., questionable with a head injury. Sean uh, Murphy Bunting, the cornerback for him, questionable with a leg injury. 
Mike Evans is listed as questionable this week with a leg injury. I think that's still his hamstring injury, so probably nothing really to worry about there. Logan Ryan, their safety, is on IR. Hit IR last week. That's a hit for their defense. Julio Jones, questionable. He's not living up to what he should have done. Their left, their guard, Shaq Mason, also questionable would be a hit to their line so they've got some pretty questionable guys here in some key spots now i don't think any of them are very serious but if winfield jr murphy bunting and with logan ryan being out that defense is going to be susceptible and they're going to have to get on lamar quick so that way they don't get beat deep there all right so after that preview there for the thursday night football game we're going to get into austin's picks of the week what do you got up for us over there, homeboy? For our first matchup, we got Carolina Panthers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. The cover spread team, boy. The undefeated but now not undefeated team. Hey, you Justin, still, did y'all, you, y'all still riding with them? Did you, uh, did you keep track of our last week? I did not. Okay. Um, so if one of y'all want to write it down this week, that would be great. Because I well, we were it. different on the you. We picked the Giants and you picked the Jags last week. I know that. Yeah, and that was the only that. one we were different on. Yeah. So, y'all y'all made it even again. Yeah. So, so who y'all taking in this one? You, all right. It's, so you got it's Atlanta's a, it's minus four point five. Yeah. Yeah, minus four point five. Hmm. Let's see. You've got both defenses are in the bottom 25 of the league. Both offenses are in the bottom 20. I don't like either of this. I would probably lean the under on the game because this game just does not look right. But if I'm leaning one way because we got to make the pick that week, I'm going Atlanta minus 4.5. Yeah, we were saying it a bit earlier. That I think this is the this is the slam this week. Atlanta minus four point five. Yeah, when you said under, I was kind of taken back because these two teams could be popping off with PJ Walker and Geno Smith. I that's mean, because their I defenses mean, uh, are bad. Mariota, and that's yeah. because their defenses are bad. Um, the Carolina doesn't have a bad defense actually, but their defense is the twenty twenty seventh ranked overall defense. Ah, uh, ranked spanked. You know, it's all just numbers. I mean, sometimes when you get out there on the field that. and you gotta you line up against Brian Burns and J.C. Horn, come on now. Yeah, there's ten you other guys. Go up against that's that. the issue. Yeah, well, <laughs> they gotta the hurt. Is the they gotta hurt safety. Because if Jeremy Chin was out there, okay, exactly. that gives you another one. Shaq yep. Thompson, he's on the trade block right now, so we don't even know if he even plays this week. I, I, I'm a I'm a roll with the Panthers with Panthers P.J. Walker and the Panthers. Five? Plus four point five. They just beat the goat. Anybody that beat the goat, any I'm chance the Panthers it. win that? Like, would you take Panthers money line in a bet? Yeah, or I would, just I would the take 5? I would take Panthers money line and p- feel pretty confident about that. Especially going against the Falcons, bro. Like they've only been covering spreads. They haven't been winning games. Like that's a okay. valid point. That's a valid point. And I also like the over in that game too. Oh wow! Look um, at you just. Fuck me, right? Dishing them out, bro. No, Dishing them out. I don't. I prefer if you don't agree with me because I like. Yeah, I literally just went the opposite way with you there, huh? Um. So yeah, uh, next who one you is... got there, coach? I already said. Uh, yeah, who you Atlanta, got? Uh, my, you got Atlanta. Yeah, I took Atlanta. Yeah. Minus you guys 4.5. both actually took Atlanta in so the very beginning of the Atlanta. episode. Yeah, we were saying earlier that All I right. like them both on <laughs> yeah. Atlanta. 
Austin's on Carolina. Are y'all keeping track of these? No. Yeah, I got you. I'll write them down. All right. So then we got uh, Arizona Cardinals going into Minnesota to fin- face the Vikings with that big old horn. That thing's intimidating. Every time you say that, I think it's a euphemism. What's that mean? Euphemism? Yeah. Spell Get that for me. Fucking dictionary, Austin. Use, can you use it in a sentence? Euphemism is a he replacement word for a sexual term. <laughs> so if I was like sentence. to say, hey, Austin, I'm going into the kitchen to shave my cucumber. That might would be considered a euphemism for touching my wiener. What about euphemize your cucumber? I... That's that different because you euthanize animals. So I mean, a no, cucumber's you, already dead. Euphemize. I guess. Euphemize. I okay. What do you? I, I think we're on two different. You're making pages. my brain hurt so <laughs> bad right now. So who are you taking in this matchup with the Minnesota Vikings favored by three point five? Home dogs, not home dogs, but home faves. Uh, I like the Vikings in this. I'll take Vikings minus three point five. I'll take the Vikings as well. That was my Viking horn. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, Vikings minus three point five. If I think I, th- I think it's a good game. If Hollywood was Definitely. if Hollywood was there and Ronnie Moore was there and they had a full offense with Robbie Anderson and just I mean they just keep throwing people out there, then I think Arizona might have what it takes. But it's hard for me to believe in in Kyler weekend. You week take. Out. You take away those two pick sixes from Thursday night, and that is a very different football game that was played. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what, Absolutely. I, that's what I mean. And that Fucking was against the Saints. Absolutely. And if the Saints played the Vikings, I'd take the Vikings. So, like, all right, Saints. So it's Skull! All right, so we're all on that one. So we got the next one's going to be the Giants, the big old New York Giants, taking on the little Seattle Seahawks. Cacao! We said this pre-show. Uh, before we started recording, but just as a fun fact for everybody, this is the only game this week that has two teams who both have winning records. That's how crazy this season is this year. That is insane. The New York football giants and the Seattle Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Those are winning football teams. The six and one New York football giants. Love it. Seattle is actually the not closer. minus three. Yeah. I can't believe it's not one point five three points for being home. Yeah. So, I man, I I th- I got to roll with the Giants here plus three. Man, I do. <laughs> Same. It's I hard keep going. I keep just going like, for the Giants, and I hate is it, it because G- like we talked about it, man. Both teams, great stories. Geno, Kenneth Walker, the way Saquon's making a comeback. Danny Dimes is playing solid. DK's out this game. I've I like the Giants plus three in this a lot. Can't do it. Rolling with my Seahawks. Geno Smith, even with it with DK down. They still gonna sure? get it done. Are we Kenneth sure we Walker. want Austin to Go be the one that keeps Hawks. track of this? Oh yeah, baby. Are you writing these down? I'm just oh, saying, yeah. are we sure we want Seattle, Austin? He's never gonna three. take the Giants. He's gonna lose it every week. No. You're no. never gonna this take This is the him. week. Law of averages, like you were saying, buddy boy. I need you to keep that paper, like on the sa- everything on the same sheet, so we can keep track every week to see how oh, many times you go against these giants and you just lose money. No, no, it's gonna be the week, boy. They can't keep it up. 
not this long. Our next matchup will be San Fran 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. with the spread in the favor of the 49ers of minus 1.5 because of that new addition they got over there. Great white I don't hope. think that's the only reason why. I think it's 49ers well, I mean, versus Rams. We had this a if couple they weeks didn't, ago. If they didn't have – that's a very, really good point. Really good point. It's the number one thing you got to think about. They own them. So, yeah. That's my pick, 49ers. I can't go away from that, uh, especially, you know, at the addition there. I always like, want to go for the play, Rams. That could be rough. Because of Sean McVay, even whenever they had uh, Jared Goff running the ball with Todd Gurley, I wanted to go for the Rams. But they still just get owned by the 49ers. So, for me, it's just dumb to go against it at this point. Law of Averages says we're going to be wrong eventually, but I'm going to keep going for it until I'm not. So, 49ers minus 1.5. Agreed. I think Christian McCaffrey gets more of the work. Uh, Yeah, I think Christian gets more of a workload this week, gets more integrated into that offense. Now, Debo is questionable. With the hamstring. with, With the hamstring. So, if Debo is out, the way he played versus them earlier in the season and was just absolutely an X factor for him. That's obviously going to hurt. Ayuk, Ayuk's got skills. I love the way he's Ayuk been playing and- this year. But again, like you said, Colby, I mean, I got to go with San Fran again until, you know, McVay can show that he can beat Shanahan. Yep. Now, they, it's like it's a big it brother. They did it in the playoffs, but he just doesn't beat him in the regular season. Nope. It's like it's a big brother, little brother thing or something. Like, he came from his coaching tree, and it's like, oh, man, I can't beat Kyle. Man. But, I mean, until it happens, like, I'm not going to bet that it happens ever again. Like, nope. Nope. Can't do it. Won't do it. Shont. Shont do it. Shont. Next matchup is going to be a tough, tough matchup. We got Green Bay Packers taking on the Buffalo Bills with a spread at a whopping minus 10.5 in the Bills' favor. Bills are home. And um, they are they are much better than the Packers. So I can understand the spread, but you still are playing against Aaron Rodgers in the end of the day. In primetime. Primetime Aaron Rodgers. So man likes to show up. This is the first time... Aaron Rodgers has ever been a double-digit underdog in his career. And he knows that, The way the Packers have been playing, the Bills' defense, just to give y'all some <laughs> to give y'all some rankings here, the Bills oh, have the dear. number one overall defense, the number two overall offense. The sure. Packers have the second overall defense and the number six overall offense, which is Wait. shocking to me that the Packers' offense is actually ranked so high, but their running game has just been phenomenal this year so far. I, I can't go against Aaron Rodgers with 10.5 points. I'm going to have to take the Packers plus 10.5 here. I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to let you finish your statement. Sorry, also it just popped in my head. ADD's taken over. Also, games this year where the team is a double-digit underdog. Oh. I want to say they're the underdog is covering the spread about 85% of the time this year so far. That's the way this season is going. Then be pretty good odds right there. So, so Green Bay for to, me plus 10.5. To put it in perspective, 
There are only two games besides Green Bay Buffalo that have spreads that even look close to that. And it's Pittsburgh going into Philadelphia, the undefeated, unstoppable force that is Philadelphia. And it's Chicago going into Dallas. Now, whenever you take an obvious not going to make the playoffs team and you go to their home of a top of their division, potentially, if not top of their division, definitely making the playoff team, they should be a 10-point favorite. I think that this is so disrespectful to Aaron, and I know that I'm probably one of the best. You know, I love Aaron Rodgers. I always have, but, I mean, there's just no way this guy loses by 11. There's no way. I could After see the last... this spread being this at a 1 o'clock game, but not, not a prime time. On a, mon- on a Sunday night? I mean, no. no not, in the, not in the lights. This, Especially this game with will the way be tight. primetime games have been played this year. They've been yeah. played close. Especially, they've been played low scoring. You look Especially at the Chiefs versus the Bills. losses that the Packers have come off of. Like, yep. They're ready to bounce back. Hard. Look at the Chiefs-Bills like, matchup. I think that's a lot closer to what this game is going to look like. And honestly, based off of what Justin said, point. you have me more convinced than I was convinced before you started. Like the number six offense and the number two defense, they've lost games, but they're not getting blown out. They're losing close games. That shit sucks, but they're still being effective. So if they can continue to be effective against a great team in their home stadium on Sunday night, that's it's going to be a close game. That's all that we need. To me, the X factor for the Packers is you keep Josh Allen and that offense off the field. You lean on your running game. Now, right now, the Packers typically run the ball more than the Bills. The Bills are throwing the ball about 70% of their plays or pass plays. Packers, a little lower than that. And running plays, Packers are running it about 37% of the time right now, which is up there in the league as far as you know teams that run the ball and lean more on the run. I think they lean on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones a lot in that game. Keep Aaron... Josh Allen off the field, keep that mm-hmm. offense off the field because that offense can score quick. And yes, your defense is good, and Jair Alexander's healthy right now to help you out with Stephon Diggs, but that offense has too many weapons out there for you to just let them on the field and continue to let them eat up and down it all night. Keep them off the field, lean on that running game, and if they are able to be consistent with the running game and get move the chains with it, I look at it to be low scoring, and if it's low scoring, that ten and a half points is an absolute hammer. Uh, enough said from my part, Austin. You got anything else to add? No, that's a that's a hammer. That shit. But Who'd you our, take, Austin? I'm taking uh taking Green Bay with that Green spread. Bay. So we're okay. all in yeah. Green Bay. Okay. With uh with their Monday money maker game though, I think we got a good props and shit we can throw out there. Like Cincinnati against the Browns Mm -hmm. Monday night. I like uh, Chubb for rushing. I like Chase is receiving, Burrow for passing. You know, I think the Cincinnati wins that game too. Yeah, minus 3.5 seems a little bit low. I think it's because of the divisional matchup, but it still seems a little bit low. Divisional matchup and they're on the road. Also, give me T. Higgins and Cooper. It yeah, is in the same well, state, yeah, though. That's interesting. I would have to I would have to lean the Bengals on that one too for sure. Well, that was not one of the money matchups. Uh we were just again saying go ahead and hammer this one. Great bet. No, that's uh, the Monday money maker game. 
Oh, that's the Monday Money Maker. Yeah, we're game. not. We're not. That one's not going on the on the history books there. Yeah. Well, thanks for no, joining this us week it is. Uh, this week on the Pro Football Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at ProFootball underscore pod. You can follow me at Coach underscore PFP. You can follow Justin at PFP underscore Justin. And you can follow Austin at Austin underscore PFP. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next Wednesday on your morning commute.